It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our bodies. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Bradley Beck. Kim is off today, and I have the honor of being in this chair that she holds down Monday through Friday and on Sundays, and I'm really happy to be here. And thank you for listening. Each of you are valued. You're treasured. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and body. Ladies and gentlemen, we were made for this moment. And thank you to producer Joe, who let me in the door this morning, smiling, and uh, always good to see you, Joe. Isn't it beautiful to be in Colorado? It is. It's such a treasure. I really enjoyed it, the move. It's a it's a great place to be, and uh, we have these beautiful Rocky Mountains, and they're snow-capped, and there's more on its way. So uh, if you're a skier or a snowboarder, get get ready, because it's, uh, it's going to be fun up there in the mountains. I'm excited. I, I do it all. You shredder. <laughs> well, welcome to, uh, again, the Kim Munson Show. Kim's website is kimmunson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at all the upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. And I have the honor of writing uh, an essay once a month for Kim, and it's on there usually on Sunday afternoon. So you can email Kim at Kim at KimMonson.com. And we always like to thank our sponsors because without them we couldn't put this uh, wonderful divergent uh, radio show on and give you the opportunity to hear some different perspectives. So thank you to Laramie Energy and Saris Oil and Gas for their gold sponsorship of the show. They're reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy from oil, natural gas, coal, oil, and gas derivatives. And it fuels the hopes, dreams, and prosperity of everyday Americans. And I'm thankful for the energy sector of our state and what they do and all the folks that bring us uh, warmth in the winter and coolness in the summer. If you like a cool beverage, can't be any <laughs> It's always great. Uh, yeah, it's Karis here in G. I, I mispronounce it. Thank you, Joe. And uh, thank you for uh, Hooters Restaurant for their sponsorship. There's five locations in Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. They have great lunch specials Monday through Friday for dine-in or to-go. And Wednesday are Wings Days. And, uh, Joe, we missed it by a day, but uh, there's always next Wednesday. You can buy 20 wings, get an additional 10 for free. And they're offered for to-go or dine-in. And Hooters Restaurant's a great place to get together, have a beverage with friends, and watch your favorite teams. So we're going to start off uh, like Kim does every uh, day. She starts off with a word of the day. And uh, since we have some great guests who focus on economics, I thought we'd have an economics word. And I chose laissez-faire, and I'll spell it L-A-I-S-S-E-Z hyphen F-A-I-R-E, laissez-faire. It's a policy or practice of letting people act without interference or direction, non-interference. And used in a sentence, laissez-faire capitalism is the only social system based on the recognition of individual rights, 
therefore the only system that bans force from social relationships. And that comes from the philosopher Ayn Rand. And then our quote of the day comes from Ludwig Heinrich Elder von Mises. We know him as Ludwig von Mises. He was born September 29, 1881, and he died October 10, 1973. He was an Austrian-American, and he helped develop the Austrian School of Economics. He was a historian and a sociologist. Mises wrote and lectured extensively on the societal contributions of classical liberalism and the power of the consumer. He's best known for his work in Praxology, and uh, he wrote the, his opus, Human Action, many years ago. He said, quote, Liberty is meaningless if it is the only liberty to agree with those in power. So we look forward to uh, uh, having you use the word of the day and uh, think about that great quote from Ludwig von Mises, one of the greats of Austrian economics. I have a, uh, a couple bills of the day, and there's a lot going on in here in Colorado. Of course, uh, at the Supreme Court, you have the uh, folks there taking up the argument whether or not President, former President Trump can be on the ballot. And we'll look forward to uh, hearing those arguments today and what the results will be. But there's a uh, Senate bill here in Colorado that uh, is concerning. It's SB 24-084, and it's entitled uh, Attorney General Duties to Prevent Miss or Disinformation. Boy, is this uh, Orwellian. It's a, it's a terrible idea. It really gives too much power to, as Kim would often say, the PBIs that cut off the free flow of information and to really curtail free speech, in my, my view, because who gets to decide what is misinformation or disinformation? We went through all this uh, during the uh, Wuhan lockdowns, and uh, it's something that I think really has to be addressed because when these folks uh, start putting all kinds of new legislation in, you always have to ask the question, why, who benefits, what's fair? And this is to prevent and combat the sharing and spreading of misinformation, disinformation, and the attorney general would be required to establish an initiative to encourage respectful engagement and disclosure. That sounds nice, but ultimately, they will curtail your free speech, and that's a a big concern. So that's one I think we have to really look for, because uh, as we go forward into this session, uh, there's all kinds of things that we're being attacked by, our freedoms, our liberty. Another one is, uh, this comes from the lobby, Eradical Colorado Trans and LBTQG bill threatens parental rights and undermines school officials. A concerning bill has been introduced in the Colorado General Assembly that could have far-reaching implications for parental rights and the authority of school officials. This is HB 24-1039, and it's brought forward by a Democrat State Representative Stephanie Vigil, or Virgil, V-I-G-I-L, and State Senators Faith Winter and Janice Marcham. And it aims to uh, allow Colorado public school students to change their names at school without parental knowledge or consent. Additionally, the bill labels a school's refusal to use students' preferred name as a form of discrimination. Boy, they just come up with creative ways to uh, take away the family, the, the nuclear family, the traditional family. And I'm always curious why they want to do these types of things. Is it moving the Overton window, or is there something else coming up that's going to be worse? 
and uh, you always have to think about what is the ulterior motive from a lot of these folks because uh, down under the Capitol, do we really need more laws or do we need the opportunity to repeal some of the uh, onerous legislation that's been happening? I think last week when I was on with Kim, there was over uh, 86 or 90 bills that they were considering just in one week alone. And ladies and gentlemen, do we really need more laws or do we need to repeal those laws and let people make their own choices to have freedom and liberty and to really think about what's best for their family rather than having a bureaucrat give them all kinds of uh, more things that they will break the law on every day. Uh, there's this other bill here. They're, the gun grabbers are coming back for us again. These are a series of uh, gun reform bills in the new session. And uh, Senate Bill 3 would allow Colorado Bureau of In Investigation to investigate illegal firearm activity, including failed background checks, illegal firearm transfers, and gun shops and other sellers that sell ammunition, ammunition, ammunition magazines that excel, exceed the, 200, two, the 2013 law that limits them to 15 rounds. Uh, the gun grabbers are coming back again. Uh, more money that really does not need to be taken, that we have a, a, an amendment, Second Amendment in our Constitution, and it's pretty clear in my mind that uh, individuals should be able to protect themselves, especially when uh, there is a flux of crime happening here in the city, uh, when the police are uh, doing the best they can with the resources they ha can. I would rather see that money, either, let's see, it's $1.7 million dollars uh, going to this program and the discretionary budget, budget, which I always find interesting, they define it as discretionary, is about $15 million. So do we really need another $1.7 million of your hard-earned money going to programs that really aren't going to benefit anybody other than the PBIs that are out there? Um, you know, there are lots of different things that are happening and uh, I think people need to be well-trained on firearms. They should know how to use them. But uh, the way things are going down to the Capitol, they are just shoving so many different types of uh, uh, new regulations at us that it's going to be a, a tough battle to push back on these. But with all the good listeners here on the Kim Munson Show, we've got lots of people that are engaged and active and uh, can, can really help to make a difference in Colorado by showing up at the legislature when they're considering these in sessions and speaking up and talking about how you are responsible for the defense of yourself and your family. Uh, the police are there doing their job as best they can, but they're not going to be there when something happens at that moment. So it's always good to be well-armed and defend yourself, defend your family. Uh, the next gun reform bill, as they call it, is House Bill 1174, and this is uh, by House Majority Leader Monica Durham. Uh, from Wheat Ridge, and uh, it requires that only the person demonstrate competency with a firearm in order to obtain a concealed carry weapon permit, which could be done with a firearm instructor. And uh, again, another way that they're putting up barriers to make it difficult for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and to take it upon themselves to really do the things that they need to do to protect their families as well. So, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, all this good work that uh, Kim does and, and the folks that are supporters show and through uh, 
her efforts, she really supports some good organizations. The veterans, she's honored with uh, the USMC Memorial Foundation. They're all doing what they can to raise money to remodel the official USMC Memorial, which is located right here in Golden, Colorado, at 6 and Colfax. And Paula Saris is the president of the foundation. She's a Marine veteran and a Gold Star wife. Paula and her team are working diligently to bring the remodel to a reality. And you can help by donating to the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And this show comes to you because we have really great sponsors, such as Roger Mangan. So I switched my insurance to the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. Get this. I actually talked to Roger Mangan, who has been helping people with their insurance coverage in our community for 47 years. He helped me create a State Farm personalized price insurance plan for my home and auto and explained affordable options. For personalized service and peace of mind that you are working with a team that cares about you and your family, call Roger Mangan now at 303-795-8855. Kim highly recommends the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Again, that number is 303-795-8855. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Well, welcome back. I'm Bradley Beck, filling in for the great Kim Munson, who's taking a day off. So uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter and get all the first look at what all the upcoming guests will be, as well as their most recent essays. I had one last uh, Sunday, and uh, hopefully you have a chance to read it. You can email Kim at Kim at Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And thank you for contributing to support our independent voice and exercising our right for freedom of speech. Very important for us all to uh, recognize that. And something that you should put on your bucket list is a visit to the Center for American Values, located down at the beautiful River Walk in Pueblo, Colorado. The Center for American Values was co-founded by Medal of Honor recipient Drew Dix and Emmy Award-winning documentary maker Brad Padula. And the center is focused on honoring the Medal of Honor recipients and teaching and upholding the principles of America, which are honor, integrity, patriotism. And for more information, you can check out their wonderful website at AmericanValuesCenter.org. They have a lot of educational material, and it's a great opportunity for you to expose your young ones to these ideas of the American founding. And uh, hopefully in a moment or two, we'll have uh, some good information from our, uh, our, our friends from uh, Lauren Levy, the mortgage, mortgage specialist. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the day of history. And you probably didn't know this, uh, Producer Joe, but today is kite flying day. And you can actually tell somebody to go fly a kite and mean it. Uh, that was established uh, uh, many years ago. Also, uh, did you know that in 1968... The Planet of the Apes hit theaters in New York City. 
and uh, it asks the timeless questions of what is humanity? And there's been some remakes, but none have been as good as the original Planet Apes. In the 1950s, uh, East Germany established their infamous state security service, otherwise known as the Stasi. And uh, here in the United States, we're getting closer and closer to having a lot of those types of secret uh, police coming uh, more and more to the forefront, it seems. Uh, Every time I read something, there's more and more uh, stories about the FBI at the top rather than uh, the the hardworking men and women at the bottom who are doing the day-to-day work. But uh, it's interesting how this country is progressing. In 1931, James Dean, the film actor and teenage icon, uh, he, if you have ever looked at the old uh, Turner Broadcast movies, he did Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden and Giant, just classic movies, and uh, he was born on this day. 1926, Walt Disney Studios was formed after previously being known as Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio. And I actually uh, enjoy the early Disney cartoons and characters, and Steamboat Willie is still one of my favorites, the first talking animation. And uh, it was really a a wonderful uh, opportunity to look at how technology had come along from the early silent pictures. And today, February 8th, is officially National Boy Scouts Day. The Boy Scouts of America have been doing good deeds across the nation since they were incorporated on this day in 1910. And back to 1887, Congress passed the Dawes Act, which gives citizens citizenship to Indians living apart from their tribe. It's kind of amazing to me that it took Congress that long to, to recognize the equal universal natural rights of all men and women who were here, but uh, in particular our Native American friends who uh, prior to that were not given full citizenship. And to be a citizen, of course, you have to be born here in America, but you also have to know about being self-reliant and self-assertive to have civic knowledge and to be self-restrained. And those are some of the civics ideas that uh, unfortunately aren't taught a lot anymore here in America because uh, of political correctness. I read an article recently, and it was really interesting. I wanted to bring to your attention. This was from uh, Neil Ferguson, who wrote in uh, the Free Press an article titled The Treason of Intellectuals. And uh, anyone who has a naive belief in the power of higher education to instill morality has not studied the history of German universities in the Third Reich. And uh, Neil Ferguson, who's a, a quite an incredible scholar, has uh, really gone through and done the research on how the uh, German philosopher, the German school, had uh, led into much of what we have to deal with with the progressive era and the racism and the um, prejudice that the German schools were instilling uh, early in the late 1800s after uh, the Civil War here. A lot of Americans would go over to Europe to learn this new science of uh, political thought, and they brought it back here to America to schools like Columbia and, uh, and the eastern seaboard. And what I have found over the years through studying about the progressive era is that they thought they could perfect man and perfect the ideas that uh, human nature uh, doesn't change, and they thought human nature was malleable. And unfortunately, through that, we've had some horrific 
regimes come about, about uh, in the last century, uh, whether it was the Nazism, communism, uh, fascism, all these isms were uh, born out of this uh, German science philosophy that uh, was brought here and people really started to look for a different way of, of dealing with the problems of their communities and the world. And uh, I highly recommend this uh, Neil Ferguson, uh, Treason of the Intellectuals. It's an opportunity for you to find out a little bit of the genesis of what we're dealing with today and how people are uh, uh, going down the woke path. So it's uh, something that I think we should be aware of and uh, take this opportunity to learn a little bit more about the history of the world and the history of where the left is taking this country, especially in a state like Colorado, where they're really trying to influence and push back the Overton window. So um, it's amazing to me that more people don't know the history of this and uh, will uh, definitely make sure that you read that article. It's in uh, the free press if you get that, or you can look it up. Neil, N-I-A-L-L Ferguson, The Treason of the Intellectuals. And I believe uh, we have uh, Lauren Levy on the line with us, don't we, uh, Producer Joe? Okay, great. Well, he's a mortgage specialist. And, uh, Lauren, how are you doing this morning? Doing pretty good, Brad. Good to talk to you. Same here. How are things in the uh, mortgage world? You know, they're they're uh, they're moving around a little bit ever since uh, last Wednesday or so when uh, Fed Chairman Powell gave his latest update. Things have just been bouncing around a little bit. And are people, uh, is now a good time to, to refinance or uh, since things have you know, been a little bit more volatile than they have, or uh, are people just sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to uh, kind of settle out? You know, I think the the housing market itself, as far as buying and selling, is picking up as we're entering, you know, what they would call buying season, you know, first quarter when people start to plan for next school year and things. And rates are, uh, you know, rates are still hanging in there. They did cross over. You know, I talked to Kim a lot about how uh, mortgage rates are tightly correlated to the 10-year U.S. Treasury, and that crossed back up over, it's 413 this morning, it was like 385 just a week or so ago, so temporarily mortgage rates, at least they say on like the, the news channels, crossed back up over 7, they haven't done that for me and my customers as of yet, but they're, you know, they're in the mid-6s, mid mid-upper 6s, so depending where people are, they might be able to refi depending when they bought, but they're hanging in there, and there's activity um, I have people out looking right now that are actively looking and um, you know trying to take advantage of anything. I still don't think they're going to go up much higher. The only reason they crept up or had is because people were expecting that the Fed might lower rates in March, and that was kind of built into the market and started to drive rates down already. And Powell just said that the data is strong, the economy is strong, and there's, there's no consensus on the committee to lower in March, and it probably won't be the second half of the year. And the market doesn't like surprises. We talk about that all the time. And so it reacted. And uh, it'll settle down and things will be okay. And then they'll start to lower in the fall and things should be fine. What do you see as uh, people's response to their uh, property taxes going up as much as they are? And, and what are you hearing? What are you hearing from uh, your clients? Well, I'm not hearing much yet because. We all know they're going up, and, you know, the assessments have gone out, but that hasn't hit the people's payments just quite yet. Um, you know, even though the math has been done, the mailings, you know, 
like my, I, for me specifically, personally, I haven't seen my payment adjust yet, um, even though I know it's coming. And so most people I think are in that boat. They know something's coming, but they haven't seen it yet. We talk about that all the time when I do loans. Most of the loans you know, that I do are fixed rate loans where the payment can't change. But I do explain to people that the way your payment can change is if your homeowner's insurance goes up or down or your property taxes go up or down. And if you see something like that where you get a note that your payments changed, that that's what the cause of it is. And people are pretty, they, they follow the news and they know what's going on. And, uh, you know, they understand that it kind of is what it is unless things change. So, uh, but it is a factor and a consideration when you're looking for a home now to make sure you're calculating the new property taxes versus the old when you're thinking what you can afford if you're out buying, you know. When I was buying my house here in Colorado, gosh, a long time ago, uh, I didn't think of all the extra costs that, uh, you know, fixing things up or, or things that you are going to need down the road and planning. And a lot of times when people are looking to buy a house, they don't think about those things. And that's why a good uh, mortgage lender will help folks really take into consideration all the extra things that uh, they're not thinking about. So what do you tell your folks when they're preparing to, to get a mortgage? The first thing I tell people most of the time, there are a few people who will come to me that, you know, the house they're trying to buy is, is absolutely the most they can afford by their income. That's rare, but it does happen. Most of the time, people, if they come to me, say, you know, how much can I buy? And I tell them honestly, I say, look, Brad, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to qualify for a bigger check than you want to write. And they'll say, what do you mean by that? I say, well, I don't take into account as a mortgage lender, for example, your cable bill or your groceries or child daycare or things like that, other expenses that you need to pay that aren't part of your credit report. We take into account only items that appear on your credit report. So you need to have a house payment that's manageable that will allow you to, when you add in all your other expenses, you can still handle all the payments. So when I talk, I talk about let's figure out what you're going to have writing a check for every month and back into a home price that way so that you're not overextended and stretched. And uh, it usually ends up with a lot happier outcome. Yes. Uh, you know, there's always those surprises and you don't have enough in your bank account and there's too much month at the end of the money. It's uh, it's not a good situation to be in. So, uh, Lauren, how can people get a hold of you and, and get information on how you can provide uh, the services that they need? The best way is just always give a call. 303-880-8881. And that website that you have? It's just easy. It's uh www.laurenlevy.com. It's relatively new and it works great and uh, easy to find. Well, Lauren, we appreciate uh, your sponsorship of the Kim Munson Show and all the good work that you do and uh, look forward uh, to talking to you down the road a piece. And uh, thanks for calling in this morning. You got it. Thanks, Brad. Good luck. Thank you. And we have all kinds of great sponsors here. And uh, another one is uh, Karen Levine. With the limited number of homes in the Colorado Front Range market, Karen Levine can help you achieve your home buying or selling vision. Karen has the right connections, technology, and strategies to help you buy or sell your home or to purchase a new build. Whether you're feeling overwhelmed or want someone to take the wheel, or you just need a second opinion, you can rest assured the REMAX realtor, Karen Levine, is the right agent for you. Call Karen Levine at 303 877 7516. Karen is the trusted professional who strives for excellence. That number is 303-877-7516. 
Boson Law is a local law firm dedicated to helping injured individuals in Denver and the surrounding areas fight for the justice they deserve. Boson Law focuses on personalized representation tailored to your unique situation with one-on-one -on -one attention and counsel and consistent communication. Boson Law personal injury attorneys have extensive trial experience and have successfully represented clients against the interests of powerful corporations, manufacturers, insurance companies, and government agencies. Contact Boson Law at 303-999-9999 for a complimentary in-person consultation. Again, that number is 303-999-9999. Call now at 303-999-9999. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. Well, welcome back. I'm Bradley Beck, and I get to host the Kim Munson Show. Kim is out today, but uh, I'm honored to be here and uh, taking over the uh, the program today. So uh, just want to always remind you to sign up for our weekly email newsletter, get the first look at our upcoming guest as well as our most recent essays. You can email Kim at KimMunson.com. That's K-I-M at K-I-M-M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And thank you for contributing to our support of independent voice and exercising our right to freedom of speech and speaking of freedom of speech we have a gentleman who uh, is somebody who always is speaking out for rights and in the individual phil kirpin is president of american commitment he's a columnist with fox news opinion and chairman of the internet freedom coalition and uh, phil welcome to the kim munson show how are you this morning I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing unbelievable. I uh, I always am interested in people's perspectives, especially with somebody like yourself who has had a varied career and worked at Americans for Prosperity and the Free Enterprise Fund and Club for Growth and Cato Institute. Boy, that's a heck of a resume. And uh, you're often writing op-eds. Uh, what is the state today of our economy, and, and where do you see it going, Phil? Well, um, it's a little bit of a schizophrenic economy because we're getting all these positive headlines and uh, all these media stories about how wonderful the economy is, but most people are not experiencing it that way. And uh, that's, of course, because we had a huge run-up in prices and wages have still not caught up to them. So, you know, despite the positive headlines that we've been seeing, most people in their monthly family budget uh, – are still experiencing a lower standard of living than they had just a few years ago because their money just doesn't buy as much. The cost of living has increased more uh, than wages have for most Americans. And I think that's why we're still seeing mostly pessimism about the economy uh, in the public opinion data, notwithstanding all these headlines about things supposedly being so great. And the headlines also um, kind of paper over some problems under the hood as well. You know, you look at, for instance, this blowout job report that said we got 350,000 jobs uh, in January, and uh, of course there are all these positive headlines about that. Well, they also revised down 11 of the last 12 months and revised away something like 1.2 million jobs they had previously reported. And so there seems to be a lot of report a big positive number and then maybe quietly revise it away later going on. Uh, we also had a GDP report uh, a couple of weeks ago that had, you know, generated a lot of positive headlines. But when you looked under the hood of that, a lot of the uh, 
you know, a lot of the GDP growth is government spending, government consumption expenditures. And, of course, we're going to pay for those one way or the other. We're either going to pay for them in higher taxes or we're going to pay for them in, uh, you know, the Fed monetizing the debt and another bout of inflation. And so I, I think that we definitely have had some more positive economic news of late, but uh, I don't think most people are really experiencing it that, that positively. And if the federal government continues to run multi-trillion dollar budget deficits, well, we're going to pay for that, uh, either in another big round of inflation, uh, most likely, or, or in big tax hikes, which, you know, politicians, I think, have discovered that it's better for them politically not to raise taxes, just to let the Fed pick up the tab and print the money and then uh, kind of point the finger at someone else for the inflation. But I do really worry, you know, if you look at what happened in the 1970s, um, the, the big inflation in the 1970s was not a single episode. It was a double hump. It was a double peak. Uh, there was a big round of inflation, then it came down to normal, and people said, oh, it's over. And then it went up even higher than it had the first time. And I, I worry we might kind of be in the lull uh, between another big peak if, if the government continues spending the way they are. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that the, uh, the Republicans, at least with only controlling the House, can do much about it. You look at the deal that Speaker Johnson announced, uh, and it's barely an improvement over the McCarthy deal from last year. I think he cut spending $16 billion, um, but it's increased more than a trillion. So, I mean, we're sort of arguing over the crumbs left on the table after you ate the whole cake at that point in time. So I, I, I am concerned about the trajectory of federal spending in particular and whether that's going to cause another major inflationary episode. Well, Phil, you, you alluded to it. You know, the, the average American, the middle class, uh, they're having to choose a lot of times between groceries and and energy, and energy prices continue to rise up, especially with all the overregulation. And you you wonder, do these representatives and and bureaucrats ever go shopping? I know I went this week. Uh, my wife wasn't feeling well and sent me to the market to get some you know basic uh, milk and bread and so forth. And I was blown away. I, she always is complaining about it, but I got to experience it, and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on I, that? I've had the exact, I've had the exact same experience. I don't, I don't go very often to the grocery store, but when I do, I start texting my wife, "Oh my God, this cost five dollars. This cost. I remember when this was two dollars." And she's like, "That's how it is now. That's yeah, everything. That's everything." It's amazing to me, and uh, and yet you look at travel, you look at restaurants. When I, you know, I'm on the road for business. And the restaurants are full, the, the airlines are full, the hotels seem to be full. I just don't get it. I mean, there's a disconnect here. So what well, are your thoughts on that? Well, if you, look at the, uh, if you look at the credit card debt numbers, that explains it. People are, people are dealing with the cost of living going sky high by running up consumer debt. And, uh, you know, that, that could be the next bubble uh, because a lot of people are getting in, in big trouble, I think, right now with, with consumer debt. Yeah, they are. I just recently heard Charles Payne uh, from Fox Business state that uh, wages have gone up about three to four percent during this Biden reign, but uh, inflation has gone up well over thirty-three percent, and uh, that that uh, disparity right there is really part of the problem. Uh, the The cost of food, cost of energy, cost of everything has gone up just exponentially, and our wages haven't caught up to that yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that that is Biden's biggest economic and political problem is that even though inflation is slowed, it's all they, the prices don't go back down. Right? They stay where they are. Right. And uh, if if wages have not 
caught up to it, and people are literally at a lower standard of living. I mean, they, the cost of living uh, it has exceeded, the increase in the cost of living has exceeded the vast majority of people's increase in income. And um, that's not what you expect. You expect things to get a little bit better each year, not, not uh, to get worse all at once, and then you're kind of trying to catch up, and you're not quite there. And um, you know, you see all these stories in the media, like you know, like people are stupid, right? You know, they don't know how good they have it. Why is, why are the polling, why is the polling bad when the economy is so great? And it's like, well, guys, the economy's not that great. I, I know you got these headlines and these government reports, but uh, what people are experiencing is is not that great. They're experiencing a decline in their standard of living because the cost of everything has gone up so much, and wages have not kept pace with that, and uh, that, is the, uh, that is absolutely the most fundamental economic problem for the vast majority of families. And, uh, you know, we need to have some pretty rapid income growth to get people ahead again. And uh, I, I, there, there are too many headwinds from this administration, and particularly you mentioned the regulatory burden. I mean, Biden, according to a study from the University of Chicago, Biden is adding, on average, $5,000 per household of new regulatory costs every year of his presidency. All right, he's the all-time regulatory cost uh, champion in that area. You know, he's, he's imposing costs even worse than Obama after we had, you know, four years of net deregulation under Trump. And so um, it's not just the spending and uh, the, the money supply. It's also that regulations are making it more expensive to do almost everything. And, uh, you know, that, that feeds into it as well. Well, you had American commitment and, and your team engaging uh, the public policy fights and uh, really the intrusiveness of government through uh, all their regulations. What do you see in other areas that are really affecting uh, people's livelihoods? Well, the two things that we're really focused on at American Commitment are fighting the electric vehicle mandates and, uh, you know, the EPA and DOT rules to force everyone into an electric car. And it's actually it's funny on that. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, put out a report yesterday that they, they've increased the cost of electric vehicle subsidies uh, under the so-called Inflation Reduction Act by $224 billion. And that's because they said, well, if EPA is mandating that people buy them, and a lot more subsidized cars are going to be sold. And then you have to scratch your head and say, how did the government not figure out that if you lavishly subsidize something and also mandate that everyone buy it, then there's going to be an awful lot of subsidies flowing to all the people you just mandated buy it. So that's a, a catastrophe uh, that they're, they're trying to force everyone to buy electric cars. And the cost of regular cars is going to go haywire in a few years because they're going to limit the supply. I mean, if they mandate that 30% of all new vehicles sold in model year 2027 are electric, and then they go all the way up to 50% in uh, 2030, in 2030, and 67% in 2032. Well, if you want a gas car and only a third of cars sold are allowed to be gas cars, think how crazy the price is going to be. So that's a big focus. The other area that we're really focused on are the FCC internet regulations, because to me, this is just a classic example of how the left is incapable of learning, of observing reality. Uh, when Trump repealed uh, the Obama net neutrality regulations, they said it was going to be the end of the world. There are going to be dead bodies in the street. They had all these insane predictions. Instead, what happened was uh, speed, private investment went up, average speeds tripled, and prices actually went down so much that Janet Yellen thought it was an error in the data. She said, this can't be right. How, how are prices going down so much? Well, it was competition. <laughs> and so we had maybe the greatest deregulatory success I can think of. And, of course, they want to not only reverse it and bring back the Obama-era economic regulations of Internet providers, they want to add 
digital discrimination rules as well. So they're going to regulate the Internet for uh, equity and, uh, you know, make sure that no disadvantaged group has a disparate impact and all of that nonsense. And so I would say those are the two major regulatory areas we're really focused on are the electric vehicle mandates and the Internet regulations. But uh, we've weighed in on a bunch of other stuff also, like uh, their effort to seize seize patents, uh, their uh, proposal to seize patents if they don't like, uh, you know, how much the company that owns the patents is charging for it, which is going to be just devastating for innovation throughout the economy. And, you know, there are a bunch of things. If people want to go on AmericanCommitment.org, you can kind of see, uh, you know, what we've been focused on. But uh, Biden certainly gives us an awful lot of targets. Well, you know, you talk about the the ideas of what they tried to do, the Internet, and now with the emergence of AI, I see a lot more regulation talk and uh, people pushing back on it. What are your thoughts yeah, on that? Another one. Biden's got a uh, an executive order. He wants to you know micromanage, regulate AI technology, and uh, you know I don't trust tech companies, but I trust government even less. So the idea that the idea that the Joe Biden administration is somehow going to take over AI and we're going to be better off for it, I find completely insane. Uh, I think what they want to do is buy us all of these AI products to be liberal. <laughs> the conservatives are wrong when you talk to them and you ask them things, and uh, I think that's very dangerous. You know, it was interesting because in my community where I live just north here of Denver, uh, they wanted to bring in broadband, but it was going to be a, a private-public partnership. And uh, I'm not against broadband, but I'm uh, against uh, government getting their hands on it because then it becomes a monopoly, and next thing you know, we're paying for all kinds of things that we shouldn't. Uh, you know, and then I see how in rural communities here in Colorado, the program that to provide rural communities with broadband has just uh, run out of money. So it, it seems like they start these programs and then they fail because yeah, there's not we, the support. I remember Obama told us he was going to end the uh, digital divide and everyone was going to get uh, broadband. And he said it would cost $8 billion. And uh, then Biden said it needs $65 billion. They passed. And I don't think this is going to necessarily go any better because, you know, it all gets politicized. And the FCC has their own program called RDOF uh, for, for subsidizing rural broadband. And it all gets politicized. So... There was a $900 million grant to Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. They have a satellite internet service called Starlink, and they bid for subsidies, and they got $900 million in subsidies, and they were going to do, you know, the most remote locations where, you know, you don't really want to string up wires because you have to put up a million poles to reach, and they were going to, you know, they're going to do subsidized. Uh, it was going to basically be $1,000 of our federal tax money for each one of these locations that they were going to serve. And then the Biden administration decided that they hate Elon Musk. And so after the fact, they revoked his subsidies and they, they disqualified Starlink Internet from subsidies. And now they're going to subsidize those same locations to the tune of $5,000 per location with our tax money uh, with other providers. Wow, so they're going to spend five times more because they don't like Elon Musk. Uh, once you go down the path, of government bureaucrats making these decisions. It all becomes political, and the amount of money they raise just goes up and up and up. Phil, well, let's continue this conversation, and uh, we'll come right back after a word of our wonderful sponsor. Lavaca Meat Company takes great pride in selling only the best. Lavaca Meat Company is a third-generation, family-owned business with its roots in eastern Colorado. Lavaca means the cow in Spanish. As our name implies, we only sell beef. No poultry, pork, bison, or game. Just premium quality aged mouth-watering beef. 
Our store is located at the corner of Maine and Nevada in the historic Coors Building in downtown Littleton. For a steakhouse experience at home, visit us in person or shop online at lavacameat.com. Lavaca Meat Company, only the best. Again, that's lavacameat.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Franktown Firearms is unlike any other gun store or range. My name is Tony, and I'll tell you why I first started going to Franktown, because my children wanted me to get comfortable with firearms. Franktown Firearms, it's not the kind of experience you get anywhere else. I'm not familiar with firearms, and they just took their time and really gave me the time of day to know that I was an appreciated customer of theirs. Tactical Fun Night is an absolute blast. To move and shoot, walk and reload and turn corners and hit moving targets. I've been to ladies nights a few times and the range safety officers um, helped my friend who I brought who'd never fired a gun before. I felt very comfortable. I could just shoot to my comfort level. I didn't have to show up anybody or no one was trying to show me up. They let us go to the range and try the firearms before we bought them. All of the staff there really took their time with me. After going in there for the first time we realized we didn't need to look at any other gun stores. Franktown Firearms where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Bradley Beck in for Kim today. Sign up for uh, Kim's weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at our upcoming guest as well as the most recent essays. And you can always contact Kim at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you for contributing to support our independent voice, exercising our right to freedom of speech. And speaking of which, we have Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, and we were just talking about the regulations that uh, happen all the time with government and how American Commitment is there to uh, expose and fight these public policy issues and uh, get the intrusiveness of government off our uh, off our everyday lives. So, Phil, we were talking a little bit about uh, broadband, but Today, we had the, the term laissez-faire. Kim always had the uh, word of a day, and I chose laissez-faire capitalism. When you hear that word, what comes to your mind? Well, I think it's the, uh, I think it's French for leave alone or let, let to do, something like that. And, uh, of course, the idea is that uh, the economic system will perform best with the least coercive interference, uh, with voluntary exchange uh, defining the relationships between people and, uh, and price signals, determining the allocation of resources, and uh, I, I'm I'm a big believer in it. I, I would call myself a laissez-faire capitalist. And uh, I do too, and I believe in the Austrian school. And uh, our quote of the day was from uh, von Mises. And as I look at your background and what you have done with the variety of uh, organizations you've worked for, uh, in particular, I saw a. a uh, C-SPAN 2 video with you and Stephen Moore, who I know you work with, and uh, there was some world-class people that were on that panel that you introduced, and uh, one of them was Scott Atlas from Stanford University and Dr. Casey Mulligan and uh, Steve Hank from uh, John Hopkins University, and you were talking about the, the rights 
of the individual, especially during the Wuhan lockdowns. And I'm, I'm curious, what kind of response did you get from that uh, that presentation? We, we got a really we got a really good positive response. And in fact, uh, what we did what we did after that conference is we sort of convened that group as kind of a committee, sort of a commission. You know, I, unlike in a lot of other countries in the U.S. Uh, we're, there is no formal commission to look at COVID policy response. And that's probably a good thing, because if we had a formal commission, it would just be a bunch of excuse-making from the same people who messed everything up. Right. Uh, so we, we actually convened that group uh, kind of as a commission to, to do a, uh, a lessons learned report that uh, we're just putting the finishing touches on now, and it's going to be published uh, probably next month around the time of the four-year anniversary of the lockdown. And uh, it, 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 I'm very proud of how it's turning out. It's a very good report. And uh, we're going to go through in there with, with uh, lots of facts and data and citations and so forth how, you know, from the beginning we made the most fundamental mistake, uh, which is the job of government in a crisis, the job of public health in a crisis, is to prevent panic, is to reassure people, is to keep things functioning in an orderly fashion in society. And they intentionally did the exact opposite of that. They did everything possible to scare people and to disrupt the functioning of society. And as a consequence of that, we overlaid a huge man-made pandemic on top of the viral pandemic and uh, lockdowns and school closures and the mandates, the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and uh, all of those interventions um, likely killed at least 100,000 people a year above and beyond anything that the virus did. And those people on average were much younger uh, than the people who were COVID deaths. And so, and, and the, the long-term impact of the school lockdowns in particular uh, is potentially catastrophic. So we, we've, we're going to detail all of that in the hopes of preventing it from ever happening again. And, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good response at least uh, on the schools issue, I think we won. I think even the people who pushed for all the school closures now more or less acknowledge that was a mistake. And so I'm reasonably confident that won't happen again. Uh, some of these other things we haven't quite won yet, but we're, we're going to keep hammering on because um, I'm not sure we've ever seen anything as destructive in terms of, you know, policy intervention in the economy as, uh, you know, what we saw in the COVID response. And in particular, the the overreaction really caused not only deaths, but a fundamental change in how we do business, how we conduct ourselves, and uh, hopefully we won't go down that path again, but I know that people's human nature is for security. So the next time this happens, how do you plan to get ahead of it? Well, I'm hoping that uh, we can get some institutional reforms, and some states have actually banned a lot of these uh, you know, mandates and a lot of the things that we saw. So, I mean, I think we've got a better chance. Uh, I would like to see the emergency authorities that were used curtailed significantly. I think that uh, if you're going to be ordering schools and businesses closed, you ought to be required to go through your legislature to do that, which at least gives us a chance of stopping it and holding some people accountable. But really, uh, I don't think government should have these powers. I don't think government should have the powers to tell you you can't open your business or, or, or to, you know, to order all the schools, including private schools, closed. And so uh, we've still got a long way to go. But the, the most important thing, the most fundamental thing, is winning the substantive debate, is, is, is getting people to understand that these policies were wrong. They were not helpful. They were destructive. 
uh, not just in their outcomes, but uh, they, they violated people's rights. And frankly, I would be against the lockdowns and the mandates, and the, the, even if they had been effective for limiting COVID, which they were not, I would have been against them anyway. Because, you, you know, we don't lose our rights just because a virus is circulating. That's, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, then they weren't really right. And Amen. So I, I think that uh, we've just got to continue to make these these arguments and, to, you know, to, to win with the American people. So at least uh, in, you know, I mean, I don't think we're going to win everywhere. I mean, I think there's some liberal cities that are going to do this stuff. I mean, there's some cities that brought, brought back, back masks again this year. Los Angeles did in healthcare settings. And so, I mean, to a certain extent, there, there are some places that are so far left and so uh, sort of in the tank for kind of the corona-maniacal ideology that they're impervious to the to facts and they're impervious to rights-based arguments as well. Uh, but what we need to do is win in as many places as we can win. And uh, that, that's, uh, that's why we're continuing to do reports and to focus on these issues. And uh, I think that uh, the, this commission report that we're working on uh, is going to be really good. And I'm doing that, by the way under the auspices of a group called the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, which is the uh, group that I, I run. It's sort of my, you know, it's kind of my second job, but it's kind of everyone's second job, but it's sort of the, the supply-side all-stars. It's a group that I run with Steve Moore and Art Laffer and Steve Forbes. Uh, and Larry Kudlow was originally one of the co-founders, but now he, with his Fox show, he's sort of uh, an, an emeritus uh, member of the group. But we do a daily newsletter totally free if people want to get that kind of at CommunityUnleashedProsperity.com. And uh, we kind of give the, the, the most interesting stories every day uh, kind of from a supply-side perspective. And we do a bunch of reports as well, including uh, the, the COVID one, which should come out next month. Excellent. Well, Phil, you know, I was doing some research prior to this and, and looking a little bit about your background, and you had a great piece of advice for young people in particular in public debate. And you always recommend, I guess, in, in talking with young people to write. Uh, would you button us up a little bit with that uh, that idea and why it's important for young people to get involved in the debate and write more? Well, I'm a big I'm a big fan of both, you know, uh, formal formal debates, which of course are spoken competitions, uh, but also uh, you don't really understand ideas until you you can write out an argument in full, and so you got to be able to do both. But uh, the the ability to, uh, you know, the great thing about writing opinion columns is you got to figure out how to make your point in five or six hundred words. And I remember when they used to give us a thousand. And, you know, now newspapers want everything to be short. And, uh, you know, what, what I say is if you really want to understand what you think about something and what the best arguments are, write it all down and then edit it down, edit it down, edit it down until you get to it's really essential. And uh, that exercise will really clarify your thinking for yourself, uh, but also your ability to communicate and to persuade. As a Toastmaster, I appreciate that. Uh, Phil Kirpin, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Where can people get a hold of you? AmericanCommitment.org is the website, and I'm also a little bit of a Twitter or X addict. If people want to check me on there, it's my last name, Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N. And, Phil, uh, thank you for all your work. I appreciate it. And you do, uh, you do have on your website a take action button, which I appreciate because we can talk about these ideas, but without action, they're meaningless. We bother these guys all the time with letters, and uh, I, I think... You know, sometimes it works. Sometimes they get irritated enough to actually improve their behavior. So we'll keep doing it. Well, that's good. Keep up the good work. Uh, Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, thank you for being with us on the Kim Munson Show. All right. Have a good one. You too, sir. 
Well, today at the end of uh, the day show's uh, quote, uh, Ludwig von Mises, who I started off with, a little different quote from him. He was an Austrian economic uh, professor and really understood Austrian economics. He said, quote, the worship of the state is the worship of force. There's no more dangerous menace to civilization than a government of incompetent, corrupt or vile men. The worst evils which mankind ever had to endure were inflicted by governments. Ludwig von Mises. So today, ladies and gentlemen, be grateful, read great books, think great thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideas, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not alone. God bless you and God bless America. Stay tuned for our number two. Commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our bodies. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. This is the Kim Munson Show. Welcome to it. I'm Bradley Beck, and I'm thrilled to be here as the host of Kim's program today. She's out, and uh, I have the honor of being here and sitting in her chair to... uh, guide us through the day and it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Hope your day is going to be unbelievable as well. So let's have a conversation and thank you for listening. Each of you are valued, you're treasured. Today strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind and your body. And thank you to producer Joe who always does great work behind the the glass there and he's uh, busily working right now. Uh, You can go to Kim's website at KimMunson.com. That's K-I-M-M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for her weekly newsletter. Uh, It comes via email. She doesn't uh, clunk up your box, your email box. It's just uh, on a Sunday, and it's all the uh, folks that are available to write essays and talk about these important issues of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. You'll get to look at all those first essays, and uh, you can contact Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to Laramie Energy and Karis Oil and Gas for their gold sponsorship of the show. They're reliable, efficient, affordable, and abundant energy from oil and gas and oil and gas derivatives that fuel the hopes, the dreams, prosperity of everyday Americans. And I have to tell you, friends, uh, I have 
a big supporter of the energy sector of our community and really appreciate all of what they do. And thank you to Janssen Photography. Uh, Janssen Photography is located in Lakewood, Colorado. They specialize in family portraits, portraits of children, senior portraits, and professional portraits for your business or your political career. You can find more information at Janssen Photography, that's J-A-N-S-S-E-N photography.com, and they'd be happy to uh, make sure that you look good and you have a great photograph that you can use to promote your business or your political career. And uh, today, friends, we uh, have a word of the day, and I've got to use it a couple times with our first guest, who was Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. You can go back and listen to that on the replay. But our word of the day is laissez-faire, laissez-faire, L-A-I-S-S-E-Z hyphen F-A-I-R-E. And it's the policy or practice of letting people act without interference or direction, non-interference. And used in a sentence, laissez-faire capitalism is the only social system based on the recognition of individual rights and therefore the only system that bans force from social relationships. And that's a quote by the American philosopher Ayn Rand. It's a great quote. And uh, so use the word laissez-faire today when you're talking to folks and uh, hopefully it will impact your day and people will be listening to your words. Our quote of the day is from Ludwig von Mises. He was born September 29th. 1881, and he passed away October 10th, 1973. He was an Austrian economic, I would say genius, but uh, he was from the Austrian School of Economics and a historian, a sociologist. And von Mises wrote and lectured extensively on the societal contributions of classical liberalism and the power of the consumer. He's best known for his work on praxology studies and comparing communism and capitalism. And his opus, if you ever had a chance to read it, it's a, it's a door holder, door stopper, uh, human action, but it's a brilliant book. And he said, uh, quote, liberty is meaningless if the only... the if only the liberty to agree with those in power. So that's end of quote, uh, Ludwig von Mises. And uh, we have, uh, let's see, Karen Levine on the line with us. And uh, Karen uh, does a wonderful job in real estate in uh, the state of Colorado. Karen, how are you today? I'm great, Brad. How are you this morning? I'm doing unbelievable. It's always a privilege to be in this chair and uh, talk to great people like you. And how's the real estate market going in, uh, in Colorado for you? Well, the real estate market here in the Front Range is outstanding. Uh, We had a really robust and active January, which was what we were hoping for coming off a fourth quarter that was a bit quiet. And we're seeing new listings come on the market, and buyers are able to buy those listings because, as Lauren Levy, another sponsor of Kim's show, has probably uh, educated the listeners that interest rates have improved a bit, and that's allowed more people to be able to uh, fulfill the American dream of home ownership. So as you see the, the market uh, increase and get a little better, there's a little more inventory out there, uh, but young people are still having a tough time with it. What would you advise uh, young people today? I would advise young people to start the conversation early so that they understand the things that will be asked of them as far as down payment dollars, Um, what we refer to as debt-to-income ratios, which means how much debt are they carrying? And a lot of young people are carrying student loans and car payments. And so if they sit down with me for a buyer consult, 
we can start the conversation early and get them prepared so that they're in a position to be able to buy as potentially interest rates improve. We don't really suspect pricing to go down just because we continue to suffer not enough inventory in our marketplaces here in the Metro Denver area and really nationwide. So that has made a challenge here in Colorado because people want to live here and uh, raise families and you know build their businesses. And so the demand on housing is great, which puts a lot of pressure on the pricing of housing. But my first month in the year, I have assisted three first-time homebuyers in uh, fulfilling their dream to become homeowners, and it's been a delight. And so I love that work and would love to sit down and start those conversations. Are the uh, the new homes selling quicker than the uh, older established fixer-up homes, or what are you finding out in the marketplace? Um, no, um, the, pro- the the challenge is is that new construction, uh, because of the cost truly of regulation, has um, acerbated affordability, and so available new construction in most cases is starting at five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. As you move north and east, affordability becomes more available. Uh, one of my first-time home buyers chose to go out to Bennett, and Lennar Homes is building some really lovely single-family homes that are obtainable under 450000 And so he found something out there. But in the resale market, if he stayed more in town, he would be looking at a multifamily home, a condominium or a townhouse, and yet there was a lot for him to choose from. He just preferred to go out east and start with a brand new house. Well, it's a great area out there, and if he, if he travels a lot, uh, Bennett has proximity to the airport, so not exactly. a bad move. <laughs> right, and he said, you know, he actually will benefit coming into town as opposed to, to you know, commuting within town to get to his job that where he lives now was a 30-minute commute, commute, and coming from Bennett is going to be about a 30-minute commute. So there is some advantages if you're willing to go out east or north or um, south has become a little more challenging uh, with regards to affordability, and they have challenges, especially Douglas County, with securing water, and water is a challenge here in the Front Range. It is, and uh, I live up in Erie, and we have water. We It's expensive water. People are blown away by how much the uh, water bills are, but uh, I tell you, we have it when we need it, and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. It's uh, not the cost, but what the value is. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're in a high desert, so people forget that when they come here and are amazed that it's uh, it doesn't rain all the time. We get beautiful snow, but not the rain. So uh, that's also an important thing when you're looking to buy a home is, is area. Yes, most definitely. And, and the amenities you're wanting, the um, freedoms that you may or may not have based on the municipality. And um, we have talked about special districts, metro districts, and in new construction, uh, I think it's fair to say all new construction falls into a metro district, which a metro district is a next, another taxing um, element, which allows the developer to take out bonding, and then the homeowner carries that debt in their property taxes to pay off the infrastructure of their community. 
Yeah, it's uh, like the old phrase, uh, caveat uh, emptor, uh, buyer beware. you got to understand where you're living and what are all the actual costs. So, uh, exactly. It's, uh, it's always an education. Karen Levine, how can people get a hold of you? Well, they can reach me by picking up the phone and or texting 303-877-7516. Karen Levine, you're always a delight to talk to and appreciate everything you do for the folks that you work with. And have an unbelievable day. You do the same, Brad. It was great to have you on today. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. So I switched my insurance to the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. Get this. I actually talked to Roger Mangan, who has been helping people with their insurance coverage in our community for 47 years. He helped me create a State Farm personalized price insurance plan for my home and auto and explained affordable options. For personalized service and peace of mind that you are working with a team that cares about you and your family, call Roger Mangan now at 303-795-8855. Kim highly recommends the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Again, that number is 303-795-8855. With the limited number of homes in the Colorado Front Range market, Karen Levine can help you achieve your home buying or selling vision. Karen has the right connections, technology, and strategies to help you buy or sell your home or to purchase a new build. Whether you're feeling overwhelmed or want someone to take the wheel, or you just need a second opinion, you can rest assured that REMAX Realtor Karen Levine is the right agent for you. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516. Karen is the trusted professional who strives for excellence. That number is 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. Welcome back to The Kim Munson Show. I'm Bradley Beck, and I'm pleased to host the show today. And as uh, former producer Steve said there in the first, uh, that last announcement, uh, website, Kim's website is kim at kimmunson.com. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter, get the first look at all the upcoming guests, as well as our most recent essays. And you can always email Kim at kim at kimmunson.com. Thank you for our contributing uh, and supporting our independent voice and in exercising the right for freedom of speech and freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If it's uh, something that people uh, can do without being coerced and uh, having coercion on them, it's a, a right thing to do. And something that you should do, put on your bucket list, is visit the Center for American Values located at the beautiful Riverwalk in Pueblo, Colorado. The Center for American Values was co-founded by Medal of Honor recipient Drew Dix and Emmy Award-winning documentary maker Brad Padula. The center is focused on honoring our Medal of Honor recipients and teaching and upholding the principles of America, honor, integrity, and patriotism. And for more information, check out their website at AmericanValueCenter.org. That's AmericanCenters.org. And uh, talking about a great American, somebody who is uh, a friend of mine, Helen Raleigh, CFA, is an American entrepreneur, a writer, a speaker. She's a senior contributor at The Federalist, and her writings appear in many national media, including The Wall Street Journal and Fox News. And Helen has written several books. Uh, I highly recommend them all. They're all great reads. Uh, She wrote a book called Confucius Never Said, 
backlash, how communist China aggressively has aggression has backfired. And her latest book, which is now in its second edition, The Broken Welcome Mat, America's Un-American Immigration Policy and How We Should Fix It. Please help me welcome Helen Raleigh, who is on the line with us today. Helen, how are you? Good. How are you, Brett? I'm doing unbelievable. It's so good to hear your voice and uh, keep up with you on what's going on. I saw a recent uh, interview you did on Tuesday on Fox uh, Business Channel, I think it was, or Fox News. And uh, you're a busy lady. <laughs> so are you. I'm glad <laughs> you're hosting your show. I am. I, it's always fun to come here in the studio and uh, and uh, take over the reins. I love radio. It's always been a passion of mine. And uh, so I'm, I'm fortunate here to get to talk to you and uh, talk a little about some of the things that are going on in our wonderful, crazy world. And uh, you just recently wrote an article on uh, in The Federalist on North Korea and their cage rattling. And uh, share a little bit from your perspective what you see happening in the, as they say, at the Hermit Kingdom. Well, I'm I'm glad to talk about it. Although it's a very gloomy subject, uh, gloomy subject. So, what's happening in North Korea is uh, since uh, last uh, November, which was just a couple of months ago, uh, North Korea's dictator King Jong Un, his tone and act. Well, firstly, his tone, his rhetoric uh, has changed. Although he's always been very obnoxious uh, with his uh, rhetoric, but last year was the first time. He openly talk about he doesn't believe there's a possibility for supposedly peaceful reunification between the North and South. He said time is to abandon, uh, to abandon that effort. And as a matter of fact, he followed up his rhetoric with actions. Like they, he turned down a arch, a peace arch, like symbol of a peaceful reunion arch that his father built. He turned that down and he closed down offices in North Korea that was supposedly working with uh, South Korea, um, like a family reunion, you know, those peaceful matters. He closed those offices, and he also did uh, several um, missile tests, and he, including he attacked uh, one of the North Korea's, uh, South Korea's uh, island that uh, it, it close to the border area uh, in, in the sea. So all these actions made everybody who's watching them closely, North Korea's actions very closely, uh, worried because uh, even though, like I said, he tend to make this very obnoxious rhetoric, rhetoric just like his father, his grandfather has done, but his most recent rhetoric has, you know, made a dra- uh, dramatic turn from the past. So everybody's wondering whether he's preparing for war, and there are definitely some historical similarities between what he's doing now compared to what his grandfather was doing when he was prepared for invasion of the South Korea. Well, and as I was reading your article, it reminded me, uh, you know, the old quote of uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And it's rhyming again because uh, the players seem to be the same ones. Uh, Vladimir Putin is is, uh, continuing his aggressiveness on one side of the uh, continent, and I think he's uh, inciting some things on uh, the other side, as well as China. And uh, what's your perspective on what are both of those, uh, Russia and China's role in either keeping Kim Jong-un in Mm -hmm. his cage, if you will, or uh, letting him have more freedom? 
Well, you hit the nail right on the head, um, Brad. So th- this is why people look at the historical, uh, you know, re- references. Look at what his grandfather, King Zhang Yong's grandfather did, uh, King Yong's son did back in the 1950s. That's why people are worried about the similarity, about the possibility of another Korean War. Uh, so back in 1950s, uh, Stalin wanted North Korea uh, to, uh, to invade South Korea because he wanted the North Korea to draw American force in, you know, uh, draw American force as well as attention away from the Cold War Europe. And China was initially ambiguous because Mao at the time was getting ready to invade Taiwan. He did not want to get distracted. But on a, eventually, um, he, uh, Mao in China did support North Korea out of the concern, two concerns. Uh, well, I should say one concern and one ambition. Uh, one concern is because North Korea share a long border with China, and China does not want, uh, you know, not does not want American force get you too close to China's border. They, he Mao wanted North Korea to be serve as a buffer zone, so he he wanted to send the Chinese force into Korea, not have Korea to brought American force uh, to China. So the second was, you know, Mao angling to be the next communist, you know, world leader, just like Joseph Stalin. He thought it would earn him credit if he helped North Korea defeat supposed imperialist, you know, America. So fast forward to now, 2024, history seems like a rhyme because now, as we know, Putin's engaged in this seemingly, uh, you know, stalemate war with uh, Ukraine. Either side could not win at this point. So Putin is kind of encouraging North Korea, Kim Jong-un, to, to make noises, to draw American forces and attention, resources away from supporting Ukraine. At the same time, as we all know, that she is getting ready to invade Taiwan. So, so she and the Putin probably do not see eye to eye on this issue. Uh, but uh, when push comes to shovel, she just like probably gonna think uh, same line along with just like Mao because China does not like to have foreign forces close to their border, and she pro- if Kim Jong Un did cause some kind of military aggression against South Korea, China probably would uh, continue to support Kim Jong Un just to keep it as a buffer zone and also any any chance that. Um, Kim Jong Un can weaken American forces would be a plus for she, you know, for his own invasion to Taiwan. So there's a so each each party has their has their own calculation, and the Kim Jong Un has his own. And he's definitely, despite his young age, he's definitely a good, almost like an international chess player that he's playing different sides, different people's parties' interests to help with his own ambition. And their uh, capabilities now with the nuclear warheads that can reach our bases in in uh, the Pacific are uh, concerned. And I- I'm curious what your thoughts are as far as him rattling that cage on uh, throwing more missiles into uh, a lot of the islands that uh, South Korea uh, has occupied uh, in the past and, and our military bases, I believe, as I read uh, from various sources. Yeah, so this is, um, so right now, experts, North Korea expert estimates, North Korea probably has a huge, I mean, relatively huge compared to country size, our nuclear arsenal, 
at least about 50 to 60 warheads that can be delivered, uh, reach all over South Korea, even including Japan and uh, our territory like Guam. And this is a this is a symbol of the failure of our foreign policy for the last several decades. Because the, and it will apply. It's the same uh, failure applied to Iran too. The, it's the failure that uh, this belief, um, you know, we have to placate him from the very beginning. Uh, somehow try to show him that oh, we have no intention to attack you. So uh, persuade him not to develop a nuclear weapons. And in exchange for giving him like aid in terms of like food, resources, fuel, and the result is, you know, every time he threw a temper tantrum, he and his father, his grandfather, all did this. Every time they threw a temper tantrum, you know, the West and South Korea will rush over there to say, oh no, 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 we have no intention to hurt you, which we really don't. But then they're like, oh, here, here's some food, here's some fuel, so don't do anything, you know, uh, don't develop your nuclear weapons. But that policy never worked. Instead, everything we provide them continue to help them to develop nuclear weapons. And the sanction on them was not effectively enforced because China obviously was the one had to provide North Korea all the technology and the resources it needed to develop nuclear weapons. Yet for the longest time, we have failed to sanction China, knowingly, knowing that China is doing this. So now we're in a position, we're in a terrible position because now it has, like I said earlier, about at least 50 to 60 nuclear warheads that could reach you know, our Asia uh, allies as well as some of the U.S. territories. So it, it's a very dangerous situation, and that's, that's the same similar situation happened with Iran. And so I don't know. I, I don't know who has the magic you know, magical wand to, to make this go away. We're in a very dangerous situation right now. Well, it just seemed that when former President Trump uh, was in office, we didn't have these problems with uh, Kim because there was a dialogue going on, and dialogue's always better than uh, saber-rattling. And I, I hope that uh, whoever's running the Biden administration takes a page out of that book because uh, – I just don't see anything changing. And as you mentioned, uh, our our military is, uh, I don't think, ready to fight on several um, different fronts. You're right. We are, uh, our military are not ready. Um, you know, I, I've been writing about this quite a bit, you know, in terms of uh, our military, like war readiness, we're not there. Um, in terms of uh, industrial, military industrial complex, like building capacity, we lost a lot of those uh, production capacities in the last several decades. Uh, decades in the name of uh, globalization. You know, I, you know, as a free market believer, I support competitive advantage. I support the global trade, uh, but there are certain things we should not, uh, you know, give it away or move away from a homeland because now. Um, just by our support of Ukraine, it's depleting our uh, production, our, our inventories of certain like ammunitions as well as certain weapons. And our industry, still, our defense industry has a difficult time. Even three years after uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, our industry still have a difficult time to, you know, ramp up the production because they, they rely on global supply chain. Uh, they do not have the people, same people they used to have with the uh, expertise. And then they have all this red tape, you know, from the Biden administration. So there's a lot going on, like we're not ready. So that's why this is 
uh, current situation is so dangerous, our our adversaries are getting stronger and they are out producing us, especially if I use China as an example. China is the biggest threat. Uh, you, you look at China's Navy, the shipbuilding. China is out building our sh- uh, in terms of ship capacities. Um, China is built out outbuild us like three to one. Like it, it takes them, it takes them a, a year or two to build a ship. Uh, it's gonna take us like 10 years to build a ship. And so if China invade Taiwan tomorrow, I'm not sure we have the capacity to defend the Taiwan. Well, and we don't, I'm not even sure we have the will to defend the Taiwan. Let's talk about that in, in your most recent Substack article, Mr. Toyota was right about EVs because the supply chain is an important topic to talk about. And we'll, we'll do that right after this. The rise in interest rates is causing challenges and creating opportunities. For nearly 20 years, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, has helped individuals realize their hopes and dreams of home ownership, fund kids' educations through second mortgages, and access capital by utilizing reverse mortgages. Lauren is not constrained to work with just one lender because he works with so many different lenders. Licensed in 49 states, Lauren offers choices for your individual mortgage needs. Preparation leads to success, so call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881 so that you're prepared for opportunity in the mortgage market. That's Lauren Levy, 303-880-8881. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Franktown Firearms is unlike any other gun store or range. My name is Tony, and I'll tell you why I first started going to Franktown, because my children wanted me to get comfortable with firearms. Franktown Firearms, it's not the kind of experience you get anywhere else. I'm not familiar with firearms, and they just took their time and really gave me the time of day to know that I was an appreciated customer of theirs. Tactical Fun Night is an absolute blast. To move and shoot, walk and reload and turn corners and hit moving targets. I've been to ladies' nights a few times and the range safety officers um, helped my friend who I brought who'd never fired a gun before. I felt very comfortable. I could just shoot to my comfort level. I didn't have to show up anybody or no one was trying to show me up. They let us go to the range and try the firearms before we bought them. All of the staff there really took their time with me. After going in there for the first time, we realized we didn't need to look at any other gun stores. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back. I'm Bradley Beck hosting the Kim Munson Show. Kim's taking the day off, and uh, no, her voice did not change. I'm here happily uh, hosting, and I'm glad to do so. Producer Joe's behind the glass. And uh, we want to remind you that Kim's website is KimMunson.com. You can sign up for her weekly email newsletter, get the first look at all the upcoming guests, as well as our most recent essays. You can always email Kim at Kim at KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And thank you for contributing to support our independent voice and exercising our right 
of freedom of speech. And through all Kim's work with veterans, she's honored to highlight the USMC Memorial Foundation and all the work that they're doing to raise money to remodel that wonderful official USMC Memorial, which is located right in Golden, Colorado at 6 in Colfax. Paula Saris is the president of the foundation. She's a Marine veteran, a Gold Star wife, and Paula and her team are working diligently to bring that remodel to a reality. So you can help by donating to the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. Buy a brick, go out there and visit, and support the USMC Memorial Foundation. On the line with us, we have Ms. Helen Raleigh, who's a friend and a contributor to Fox News, The Federalist, The Wall Street Journal. And we were just talking about uh, what was going on with Kim Jong-un in in North Korea. And in particular, we left off about the supply chain. And recently, Helen wrote on her Substack uh, a wonderful article about was Mr. Toyota right about EVs. Helen, share a little bit about that uh, article and what your your, uh, premise was on it. Uh, thanks for bringing it up, uh, Brad. So basically, we just experienced this deep freeze a couple of weeks ago. You remember that one? Yeah. Well, I was. My, I've got the power bill to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I we we do too. But anyway, so during the deep freeze in Chicago, uh, the, a local news reported their char- EV charging station basically became a parking lot because all of the EVs were quote unquote dead because the charging station stopped working to uh, under the sub-zero temperature. And it turns out that electrical vehicles, um, it's like me, they're like perfect temperatures. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's too cold, if it's too hot, they're gonna lose the battery range and your EV will not take you where you need to be. The, the, the best temperature the EV performs is 75 degrees, which is my favorite. <laughs> I love that. Anyway. Degree. Yep. Yeah, my husband said I like the Goldilocks temperature. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, and this is why so many people uh, choose not to buy EVs because, you know, lacking of charging station, the the range, battery range issues, uh, as well the price. This is why the demand for EV is actually very weak, despite the uh, Biden administration. Uh, and, and all the climate uh, alarmists that try to push America or try to force us to or convert to driving EVs. Um, and uh, unfortunately, automakers, most automakers sign up and, you know, Ford, uh, GM, they, they were they were all go, they were uh, going to producing EV vehicles and they subsidized EV vehicles from the with the government grants as well as their more profitable vehicles, you know, gas powered vehicle divisions too. And GM even published like a phase out date that they're going to phase out the gas powered car completely by 2035, by some ridiculous date. Um, so, but because all, because the consumer's demand is not there, despite the government subsidies and policies and automakers push, um, so now Ford and the GM both announced that they're actually going to cut back their EV production because the consumer demand's not there. Um, but one person, this is what well, this is what my article is about. One person, he was the CEO of a Toyota Motor. His name is Akio Toyota. He's the uh, great grandson of the founder of Toyota. From the very beginning, during this EV mania, he was only he was the only one do that and said, wait a minute, why are we going all in on EVs? 
consumers demand not there and the future is uncertain maybe we should let the consumer demand driving us like what a vehicles we should provide instead of other way around forcing them to drive ev nobody listened to him everybody else attacked him thought he was crazy um but obviously reality proved that he was right he he uh, the toyota only provide like a very few models of ev but uh, he uh, for the rest of the offering they provide a variety of offerings and the consumer loved it uh, they couldn't sell their hybrid fast enough and so the reality proved mr toyota was right you know there's a museum in uh, southern california up in the san fernando valley called the nedercott and it's a uh, automobile museum and in one corner of the museum there are all kinds of cars from the turn of the last century and i remember seeing one that was a early model electric vehicle so we've had these electric vehicles and you wonder well at the turn of the last century the, maybe the technology wasn't at its utmost but we've tried it and mm-hmm. we keep trying to go down the same path it reminds me of the previous talk we had about uh, kim jong un about <laughs> history repeating itself and it seems like people always say if we just had the right person or the right idea or the right model we might be able to do it this time and that aspect of human nature always befuddles me because just because you you have new technology doesn't mean you can accomplish what you couldn't accomplish in the past right and also you and i both are you know firm believers of free market and you know made the best idea win right instead of for government forcing pushing people to do certain things to to force uh try to uh, you know uh, give birth to a market we should let the market develop itself you know i'm all for techno- technology innovation and but the, the market the technology is not there it's not feasible it, it's not feasible for mass production and it's it's not feasible you know people don't even think about for example you know we talk about a global supply chain where did the raw material come from? This is what Mr. Toyota, one of his biggest concerns is, it's very difficult to secure raw material for EV battery. And because China dominant that supply chain, right? And China can easily, you know, stop, and which China has been doing, China has punished Japan by not exporting, you know, rare earth material that Japan needed to make EV uh, batteries. So China has used that as a geopolitical tool. So that's a big, big concern. And not to mention that, uh, you know, uh, China also used enslaved laborers as well as uh, coal to produce, to extract those raw material to produce EV batteries. So how green really is that process? It's, it's really not. And most importantly, even come back to our country, uh, most of our electricity production still relied on fossil fuel. So right now you have the Biden administration try to kill for Sophia at the same time. And last year, I don't know if you remember, right after California's Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, announced California will phase out EV vehicles by 2030 or 2035. I can't remember the exact date. Right after he made that announcement, California Department of Energy had to tell everybody, including EV owners, you know, not to charge their cars because California is experiencing energy shortage, because all their green push. So the future means we all have to have a strong leg because there's gonna be days we cannot charge our cars. We're gonna have to walk everywhere. And that is something a lot of the climate alarmists as well as the policymakers are not even think about it 
or they are waiting to even contemplate. Well, you bring up a good point, and Kim pointed it out in her documentary that she helped uh, moderate the uh, climate conversation with all these rare earth materials, especially uh, cobalt and lithium uh, coming out of, of mm-hmm. third world countries like uh, in Africa and the poor conditions that are there and the, the wages that really aren't paid, uh, the regulations. You know, we talk about the burden of regulation here. There are no regulations there, and you have kids in these mines that are, are in totally unsafe conditions, and yet uh, right. our friends in Boulder and places like that uh, tout the greenness and the sustainability of these vehicles, but they really uh, come with a whole pack of, of problems on the back end. Right, and that's that's what the green, you know, uh, uh, the, the green energy supporters are unwilling to talk about. Actually, uh, even if they knew, I think I believe some of them knew the reality of how, you know, how we get to them uh, be able to drive a shining te- Tesla and the pretending, thinking that they are doing something to save the Earth, even though the whole process reached to that point was not really green. Uh, let me give you an example. So, two years ago, right after the Biden. Joe Biden, uh, two or three years ago, right after Joe Biden came uh, into office, uh, more than 20 um, progressive organizations sent a letter to the Biden administration, basically warning him not to uh, be too tough on China because we need China's help, uh, you know, uh, on climate change. So they wanted the Biden administration to turn a blind eye to China's human rights abuse and all these other issues we have with China. So basically for them, for the progressives, for the climate alarmists, for the green supporters, they think human rights violation is okay as long as they can continue to advance their green agenda. So if it's blood-soaked EV battery, it's totally okay as long as they think they're saving the planet. I really want to ask them, like, who do you save the planet for at a world cost? And not to mention, none of the green policies so far has actually did anything for the planet. Yes, uh, it's amazing to me the disconnect there. Helen, we're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about your unique your, your unique perspective on uh, your book, The Bro- uh, Broken Welcome Mat, and, and how uh, immigration policy can be updated and changed for the better instead of what we have right now. We'll be right back. A recent report notes that the number of children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder is consistently and dramatically increasing. This is heartbreaking. If your child or grandchild or someone you know has been diagnosed with autism or ADHD following exposure to Tylenol or acetaminophen during pregnancy, call Boson Law at 303-999-9999. Boson Law is a Colorado-based law firm who has been fighting Big Pharma for over 20 years. Call now at 303-999-9999 for a free, no-obligation review of your potential claim. Call now at 303-999-9999. The rise in interest rates is causing challenges and creating opportunities. 
For nearly 20 years, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, has helped individuals realize their hopes and dreams of home ownership, fund kids' educations through second mortgages, and access capital by utilizing reverse mortgages. Lauren is not constrained to work with just one lender because he works with so many different lenders. Licensed in 49 states, Lauren offers choices for your individual mortgage needs. Preparation leads to success, so call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881 so that you're prepared for opportunity in the mortgage market. That's Lauren Levy, 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Bradley Beck, sitting in for Kim, who's out today. And I uh, want to always remind you that her website is KimMunson.com. Sign up for her weekly email newsletter and get the first look at all the upcoming guests as well as the most recent essays. You can contact Kim at Kim at KimMonson.com, and uh, it's always uh, a pleasure to have uh, a guest with me. We have the great uh, Helen Raleigh, who wrote the book The Broken Welcome Mat, America's Un-American Immigration Policy. And recently, uh, Helen, you were on uh, Fox News talking about all these folks coming in from all around the world, but in particular China and the influx of illegal aliens coming in from that country. Tell us why we should be concerned and, and what's happening out there. Well, I, I think we all know what's happening out there, Brad, because every town is a border town now. Uh, just yesterday, I, I read this news in Denver that, that the Denver mayor basically said that Denver is running out of resources to accommodating illegal immigrants. Uh, and my cab driver um, told me that he lives close to the airport, Denver International Airport. He said he saw buses loads of illegal immigrants were putting by the government to hotels near the airport. And some of the illegal immigrants came to knock the doors of him and his neighbors, and they are asking for money. So his community is really freaking out right now because they don't know what's going to happen if they are not, you know, if they can, uh, if they don't get the money. So it, it is a terrible situation. We basically have a lawless border. It's become a big draw for uh, illegal migrants uh, all, all around the, the, you know, worldwide. Well, you you allude to this in your book, and there are solutions to it. You want to share some of the ideas that you have about how we can fix this broken immigration policy? Thank you for bringing that up. So, yes, so um, in my um, book, The Broken Welcome Act, that uh, I, my suggestion is that we should do uh, two things at the same time. We should definitely strengthen our border. We must secure our border. We need to know for our national security. We need to know who's coming in. We need to screen everybody uh, to make sure those who intend to do our harm do not get to the United States. That's something we must do. At the same time, I don't believe it's something needs to happen like one after another. I think those things need to have, happen at the same time. At the same time, we must reform our legal immigration system because currently our legal immigration system is broken. We give uh, overwhelming uh, preference for family reunion, for relationship. Um, so it discriminates against the people who have skills but do not have family ties there. And we also have some ridiculous uh, clause in there that make um, certain immigration, immigrants from certain country in certain categories have to wait for insanely long time. Um, I mentioned it before that, you know, I 
or immigrated from China, it took me 17 years to follow all the legal process to become a naturalized citizen. So most people do not have the kind of, that kind of luxury to go through this kind of a long wait. And long wait does not offer incentives. It does not offer incentives for people to want to go through the you know, front door the right way. Um, so we must reform legal immigration, and I advocate for have a, a change our family reunion-oriented immigration to skill-based uh, immigration. Basically, we should focus on bring in legal immigrants who have skills that our uh, economy needs. This way, we can create a win-win situation. When they get here, they can immediately uh, work and support themselves. They will not become a burden on the society. They can immediately contribute at the same time. Our economy will get the skill sets, you know, skill sets that we need uh, to help our economy to continue to grow. And there are countries who have, you know, rely on skilled, um, skill-based immigration has been very, very successful, like Canada and Australia. Uh, if you want to know more, I can talk a little bit more about how that system works. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've uh, done advocacy on Capitol Hill for the flower industry through the Society of American Florists. And I remember going up there and talking about uh, Helen Griebel's red card solution, which we both know about and through the leadership program at mm-hmm. the Rockies. And when I went to talk about uh, the red card solution, People did not want to hear it because they would always come back with, it's not comprehensive, we have to fix the whole thing or nothing. And it always makes me wonder why the heck they can't fix one thing and have some success and then go on to the next and the next, and pretty soon you you accomplish what you need to accomplish. But it seems like people don't want to fix things, especially when it's politicized. Any thoughts on that? Well, um, you're right. I, I think that um, I, I'm a big fan of the red card solution. I, I think something like that is, is definitely it's something can be quickly implemented. Uh, that's something you know, it's a quick and easy fix that uh, we should adopt. Um, but I, I'm kind of debating with against uh, uh, myself about whether we should have a comprehensive versus one-time fix because the reason why our current immigration law is so complicated. Because there were many one supposedly one-time fix, quote-unquote fix, has been put into it. Because we have not updated our immigration law since the 1990. That was the last time we updated our immigration law. So for the last several decades, we have not updated our immigration law. Instead, the Congress keep putting in those one supposedly one-time fix. For example, uh, they created a new category called a fiancé visa, basically because uh, there was a long wait for U.S. citizens or green card holder to bring their spouse from overseas into the United States. So the Congress, instead of fix the law, they create a new whole new visa category. Um, I don't know if you remember the about the San Bernardino shooting happened uh, two or three uh, Christmas ago right. in California. Yes, and the the lady, the wife, she was brought here on the fiancé visa. I'm not saying this visa will just bring terrorists. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this kind of one-time fix, instead of actually fix, all they have been doing, just make the waiting, make the, make the waiting longer for everybody else, make the system even more complicated. So I really think that now it's time we need to do a comprehensive review. And it shouldn't have to be complicated. Law does not need to be complicated. Look at our you know, constitution. It's not complicated. It's very simple, and, but it's very powerful. So we can have a simple 
powerful, efficient immigration law like what Canada has, like what Australia has. What we require is definitely political will as well as fresh thinking. We cannot try to just continue to follow the same mentality about this family reunion. We need to have a radical thinking about, we need to switch the uh, switch um, plug. Think about it, we need to now have focus on skill, skill or merit-based immigration instead of family reunion. That, that required a complete mindset change. I'm not sure many people are ready for that. I, I would agree with you, and you know what's interesting for me is that uh, your perspective uh, of being American by choice and other folks who I know that are similar to you love this country and believe in this country and know it's the last best hope for America and and the world, quite frankly, and you have a perspective of mm-hmm. things that, you know, I can't imagine how you grew up in China and, and the, the difficulties other than reading your book and understanding that uh, this is really the first place in the world that recognized uh, an individual's right to live and pursue their happiness. Exactly. That's why um, the lawlessness of uh, Southern border, I, I talked to many legal immigrants like me, it really makes us very upset, you know, because we all did, you know, we all follow the rules, no matter how long it takes, how much money it costs, we all follow the rules, and we all paid our dues. And now we see people, millions, eight million, probably even more, you know, just go, just going through with no consequences. And the Democrats open them with, you know, open arms. And it, it, it's very upsetting. And it, it's ruining our communities. You know, I, I have a great sympathy for migrants who want, to be, who want to have better lives. Who doesn't? But there's a, always a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And I, also, I think the ultimate blame Force on our democratic politicians who ignore our laws, uh, they, their lawless behavior created create this chaos situation. Now, every town, every community is a border town, the border community that uh, all our lives, you know, is, is, is ruined, and it also created this, you know, human tragedies, uh, humanitarian tragedies in our southern borders. It, it, it's just tragic all the way around. Well, Helen, we just have a minute or so. Uh, you're a distinguished Toastmaster changing gears a little bit. Uh, you have your uh, DTM, and Toastmasters has helped you so much. Uh, if you had a chance to talk to somebody about Toastmasters, what would you say? <laughs> well, I encourage everybody, even if you are native speakers, I encourage everybody who wants to become a better communicator. And, and it's not just about giving public speech, but also... Uh, for example, like doing the interviews or job interviews or just know how to communicate difficult issues with your families and friends. Uh, Toastmasters uh, is a great place to be. It's, it's a wonderful, welcoming, uh, inclusive community. It's a good place to exercise your uh, free speech rights and also to tune, uh, to fine tune your communication skills. So uh, I encourage everybody to find a club you love. I have a schedule that works for you to check it out. And, and Brad, I know you are uh, a distinguished Toastmaster that I always admire. And look at, look at every wonderful things that you're doing. So you're my role model, Brad. I want to become <laughs> you when I'm older. <laughs> you have to raise your standards. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing how we both have come a long way. And I remember seeing you for the first time at a uh, an event, speaking on a stage, and uh, you just blew me away. You're an, uh, an incredible speaker and a great role model. So uh, how can people get a hold of you and, and uh, 
what's the best place to uh, uh, talk to Helen Raleigh? Well, people can check out my website, HelenRaleighSpeaks.com. My last name is R-A-E-R-A-L-E-I-G-H. Or they can uh, sign up on my Substack newsletter, HelenRaleigh.Substack.com. Excellent. Or they can check out Federalist as well. At the Federalist, is always great to read you. Helen Raleigh, thank you for being here. It's great to talk with you, and stay well, my friend. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. So our end of the show quote is from Ludwig von Mises. He was an Austrian economics uh, guru. He wrote, quote, the worship of the state is the worship of force. There's no more dangerous menace to civilization than the government of incompetent, corrupt, and vile men. So, ladies and gentlemen, today be grateful, read great books, think great thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and... Like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. You are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Those are the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.